Thank you so much for joining us today. This is the uh, Fort Collins Symphony guest artist interview. Uh, my name is Jeremy Cuevas, and I'm here with guest pianist Brian Wallach. Brian, thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. So we just had a couple questions um, leading up to your appearance with Fort Collins Symphony on November 6th. Um, so just to get started, could you give us a quick overview of who you are and what you do? Ooh. <laughs> All right, let's keep this short. Well, uh, I'm Brian Wallach, and I'm the, the new uh, professor of piano here at Colorado State. I took this job about two years ago, uh, just before the world shut down with COVID. So luckily, I got moved in uh, just before everything shut down. We bought a house about three weeks before, so we had plenty of time to move in and get organized. But anyway, I've been here for about two years. And uh, so I teach over here at CSU. Uh, meanwhile, I'm also happy to be back in the United States. I was in South Africa for about 12 years. I was in London five years before that. So it's great to be back in the U.S. And I'm trying to build my concert uh, career back here as well. So being here is a little easier than flying from South Africa, which is a long 30-hour flight every time I wanted to play a concert. Now I've got a two or three-hour flight, which is yeah. So that's what I'm doing. So I'm teaching here and playing as much as I can. And one of the next things on the docket is the uh, Fort Collins Symphony. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just a, just a couple of days after this comes out. Um, and what did you what did you spend your pandemic time doing? Well, you know, I've got three kids, so I'm I'm quite busy with the family at home. And in many ways, it was great to be home and get to spend a lot of time with the kids. Uh, in many ways, that can drive you insane. So I was one of the lucky few that had um, essential status here at, at the university. So I was allowed to come into school and practice. So I uh, and it was a nice opportunity because the one of the new pianos in Griffin Concert Hall was new and it hadn't really been played in that much. And it needed to be played in. And so I worked with the technician for quite a few months. So I actually went and played on the, the new piano in Griffin Hall most days during the pandemic. So I practiced a lot, too. Oh, wow. uh, do, do new pianos usually have to be worn in like that? I didn't know that. They, they do. They, um, you know, there's machines that give the hammers how many thousands of hits to kind of break them in. Uh, but generally it still needs to be played and the technicians need to voice and, and, and hear from artists what, what needs to be done or not be done. And uh, Justin here, the technician is, is really great and can fix and change absolutely anything. So we really changed the way that the whole thing set up, but I don't know if we would have been able to do that if I didn't have the time to really play it and see and experiment. Uh, so it was, it was a great opportunity to get that piano up and running. Yeah, yeah, I've seen, I've gotten to see Justin work a couple times preparing pianos for the um, for the big piano festival that happens every summer. And you know, there's a there's a depth to what he's doing there that I had no concept of as a violinist. I didn't know that you know he was picking oh, yeah. the hammers and everything. The way, they, the way they set it up can make such a difference on you know, especially if you get a good one. He knows how to just make everything voiced properly and, and beautifully that you can do so um it's great to have him around and he's working on these instruments all the time and making sure they're in great shape so i'm very very happy to be over here in colorado fantastic um and so 
next week you're you're performing the Mendelssohn First Concerto with us, and this uh, less familiar piece, Grass by Coleridge Taylor Perkinson. Um, what's what's your relationship with these two pieces? Have you performed them before? I have the uh, the the Coleridge Taylor Perkinson. We played here at the university um, last semester. It was a piece that was able to. Um, to, to, to be performed without winds because it's, you know, it's for strings and percussion. And at that point, we weren't allowed to have the winds on the stage. So it was a piece that worked and we're trying to uh, find works uh, of uh, under uh, utilized composers. And so uh, it's uh, and it's a fun, it's exciting, inter- very interesting piece that uh, is is quite challenging in many ways. Rhythmically, it, it, it goes all over the place. So on the strings are gonna have to count a lot. Uh, I have to work out counting, the conductor's gotta work out how he's gonna beat everything to make it fit. But it's uh, it's it's a it's an exciting piece and it, it should be a great sort of opener to the concert and then moving on to the Mendelssohn, which is a, a great you know show piece that shows the piano off. Uh, very spectacularly and has lots of uh, beautiful melodies, but technical arpeggios all over the place. And it's, it's a fun piece and it'll be a nice contrast, you know, to have both works together. You'll see very different sides of uh, music, I think, on the first half. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the Mendelssohn is kind of a standard piano concerto, at least in sound. And cool. and then the the Coleridge Taylor Perkinson is is very contemporary, but very a little bit rock and roll at times. I think it's very rhythmically dribbling. I I just absolutely yeah, love a lot it. Of rhythmic energy and and it's and it's very accessible. I mean, it's not crazily. I mean, harmonically, it's still mm-hmm. relatively not not that adventurous beyond the most people's ears. So it, it should be interesting to most people. Absolutely. So you're you're both a performing professional pianist, absolutely, of course, and um, and but you're also teaching at at CSU. Could you talk about some of the different challenges between between those two jobs that you have? Well, there's some challenges, maybe uh, scheduling wise. Uh, at, at the moment, I'm in like a very busy sort of two month window of just a lot of concerts, a lot of different pieces. I mean, a lot of times you can have concerts, but it's the same pieces over and over again. It's not a problem, but I'm playing like five different programs over these six weeks. So trying to maintain everything and keep it up is is a bit challenging while still trying to teach 15 students and be involved at the university and have three kids at home and play tech driver after school every day. so in that way, it can be challenging and you just have to be organized with, with my schedule. Every week, I'd relook at what I need to practice, what I need to change, what's not quite there, what's ready. And uh, scheduling can be difficult, but more than the challenges, it's actually helpful to have teaching as part of your professional makeup because I learn a lot from it, you know, as a, even as a performer after I've just been you know, shouting at my students to do this and do this and do this, I sit there as I'm practicing and realize I'm not doing that. I'm not doing yeah. that. I'm doing that. Just the way that I just explained it to them. So it, it reinforces a lot of the things that I mean to do when I'm practicing. And since I've just been exaggerating the, the demonstrating things, it helps me to, to do that in my own work as well. Um, so I think they mutually help each other more, certainly much more than they maybe cause challenges. If I can absolutely, absolutely. 
Um, what do you like to do before or after a concert? A lot of people have a ritual or they'll go to a restaurant. What, what do you like to do? Yeah. You know, the, I, I wrote my doctoral paper was on uh, sort of how concert pianists practice. Hmm. And part of that is like, what is their routine before a concert? Because it's, it is very important psychologically that you try to not disturb, you know, whatever your uh, method is for getting on stage and being in the right mindset to, to make beautiful music. Mm-hmm. If uh, I, I've got two things to say about it. One, you'd want to have some sort of maybe a, a regular pattern, but two, it mustn't be so regimented that it can't change because every, every time it often might have to change. And um, the, you know, when you're traveling or situations come up or, you know, if you have to do this and you have to eat that and you have to be at this time and then it just can't happen, then it can psychologically throw you. And so being able to, to realize you can play a concert no matter what the circumstance that's the most important thing. But if you have your way, um, you know, I generally like to get to the hole uh, at least an hour before and be able to warm up for at least a half an hour, uh, maybe more depending. Like if it's just a concerto, you can warm up more. If it's a long recital, maybe you don't want to warm up too much because you might be tired at the end. And these are all things that you kind of find out from mistakes that that went wrong. If you practice for two hours before a long recital and then you get to the second half and you're just finished. I've had that happen before. I've also been under warmed up and then you don't really feel comfortable for the first 15 minutes. Uh, like the fine line of uh, feeling comfortable, but not uh, exhausting yourself. Um, food wise is a big debate. A lot of people eat different things before concerts or not. I don't like to eat too much because I feel it just all the, your body starts digesting food instead of sitting brain. So I, a lot of people eat banana. I'd, I'd usually try to have a banana. Supposedly it's a natural beta block because it makes That's, you a little bit nervous. Yeah, I've heard that. Yeah. So I eat bananas. They seem to work, I guess. Yeah. Uh, so I used and, to, I used to sing in a choir and the bananas are really good for your throat apparently too. Um, yes, and yes. So, yeah, so the, the choir director pulled off and sent one of the GAs into a Walmart and said, come back with 200 bananas. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah, so bananas are great. Uh, I mean, I've had many things. I try to not have caffeine right before. Maybe in the middle, I, like at intermission, I can have caffeine. But like at the beginning, if you're a bit nervous and jittery and then you get like a caffeine kick, then you can get some vibrato on the piano, which we don't really want. So. Um that's yeah, basically it. I, it. I try to have a routine, but that's flexible if, if it needs to be. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, do you have any any funny stories from from concerts or teachers or? Ooh, well, you know, we we this a lot of people have page turning stories that are that are funny, and. Uh, you know, in this particular concert, I will play the, the the first piece with an iPad just because it's very rhythmically complicated. To try to memorize it is most definitely going to go wrong. Um, and you know, I've seen a lot of page turner things go go very wrong. Or if you don't have a page turner, which is why I play from the iPad, which is generally pretty safe. Um, you know, the, the music goes flying, or and then people 
save it while you're still busy playing. And there's, there's lots of uh, concert fouls that can happen with page turning. Also page turners themselves can be terrible. Like they, you know, they, you get the ones that sing while you're playing, you get the ones that get in your way, the ones that put their elbow in while you're trying to turn the page. It's amazing how badly you can turn a page. Yeah. And um, to now play with an iPad is, is great that we've alleviated all those in you know, the smelly perfumes or whatever that, that, that they can do, have to distract you. That's just amazing. So, these, are the, these are the things the audience members never knew were a problem. No, you, you can't imagine how irritating a page can be. Yeah. Uh, so luckily I've never had any of these uh, tragic circumstances uh, happen with a page turn. At the end of the day, it's not brain surgery, so it's not the end of the day if something goes a little bit wrong. Stop and fix it. Um, but yeah, so 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 far, uh, I don't have any ridiculous stories of uh, you know somebody throwing tomatoes at me in a concert. Oh, good. You never know. <laughs> November sixth, then we'll get a good story. Something on. Like <laughs> well. Sometimes pianos roll off stage, and a lot of times, I'm, I'm when they roll pianos on stage. If the stage crew is not careful, it, it's a big instrument, and it keeps going. And if they're not really paying attention, a lot of times, especially with orchestra, they roll it right out to the edge. And uh, there's a number of stories where the crew has not really been paying attention, and they roll it off, and it goes flying, you know, falling into the uh, front row of the of the audience, wow. and that's can cause a problem for that's a little scary <laughs> another stage piano on backstage maybe that can work but often there's not mm. so far none of those things have happened to me good 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 i saw a piano almost roll off the stage once but they caught it they caught it just before <laughs> and how many times that's happened is, is frightening so mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. what's something about you that people would be surprised about any special talents or hobbies oh I would say my my biggest hobbies is uh, I, I really love tennis. Uh, mm. um, I, I love to play tennis. I've, I've followed the tour a lot. Follow a lot of the guys. I've uh, been pretty into it for probably about 15 years. And uh, so in my spare time, actually since I've moved here, I haven't been able to play that much. But my, my older son's playing a lot more seriously now. He's on the varsity team at uh, Fort Collins High School. So he's getting more serious into it. So I'm hoping by next summer I'll be able to, to play quite quite seriously again uh, with him. I just haven't been able to get involved that much here. And it snows a lot and it's been pretty cold outside. So um, with COVID, everything's just been been busy. But uh, I love who, tennis. Who usually wins? What's that? Sorry. Between when you when you when you play tennis together, who usually wins? Oh, with my son. Yeah. He's starting to be able to take, take sets off now. So I know I've yeah. got a feeling I'm not going to catch him for long. He's really, he's hitting a lot. He's very consistent. Uh, and I, I mean, I can, I'm a bigger hitter than he is, but I'm so all over the place at the moment because I'm not regularly hitting. So anyway, it's great. And, and I wish I could play more, but mm -hmm. I got a lot of notes for practice. Yeah. You, you've been in Colorado for two years. Um, what are your What are your favorite things about living here in Fort Collins? Well, another thing that it's, I've loved about being here, and then I just organized yesterday the the ski skiing, you know, in, in the mountains. So I just we got our pass now yesterday, so we've got the kids up and my son, one son snowboarding, other one skiing, my daughter skiing. 
So uh, taking advantage of uh, the terrain and the mountains being here. And, uh, you know, I don't go down the crazy blacks and then I just go real slow with my kids on the blues and try not to crash into any trees. Um, but I love being out there. It's, uh, like it's a beautiful sport if you don't kill yourself uh, doing something stupid. And uh, so I'm trying to take advantage of that being here in Colorado as well. Um, any, any favorite restaurants you've, you've found? Oh, you know, it's, it's hard to go to, to restaurant. My little six-year-old is a bit of a terrorist. So he's a bit of a pain to take to restaurants, especially fancy ones. Uh, so we haven't been to that many. We went, we went to the, what's the, the, the one with all the, the, the dipping things, uh, uh like the melting pot. Yes, the melting the fondue place. Yeah, yeah, the fondue place. Yeah, yeah. that was cool. that was that was especially we enjoyed that. And um, but with the kids, yeah, it's just much easier to, to get takeaways and and you yeah. know, so um, I love Indian food and so I, I haven't. I, I would love to explore more of the, the the restaurant scene in Fort Collins, but with the kids and the chaos, it's just sometimes easier to avoid that at the moment. Oh, the pandemic didn't make it any easier. That didn't help either. No. <laughs> Uh, Brian, what's your favorite piece of non-piano music? Favorite piece of non-piano music? You know, I, I love the the symphonic literature, mm-hmm. and uh, I learned a lot about piano playing by really getting into the symphonic literature when I was probably, I don't know, in my mid-20s, I decided I, I need to go and listen to everything that's non-piano. And it just gives your ear sort of a palette or an imagination to aim for because everything in piano playing pretty much everything we do is to try to make the piano not sound like a piano um so having an imagination of sound outside of what the piano can do really helps us push the boundaries of what you can do with sound on the piano uh so you know i, I love to listen to and i like to go through cycles like i listen to all the beethoven symphonies at a point i listen to all the Mahler symphonies at a, at a things like that um so I, I love the symphonic literature i also love jazz like if if i had time uh if there was five extra hours in the day i would i would love to study jazz and, and be able to do that so I, I i love um keith jarrett and brad maldo and uh some of these uh, chicoria the, the jazz pianists that and i like to listen to to that piano playing because it's a different experience. A lot of times when I listen to piano music, I'm thinking, oh, can I play this piece? What would I say with this piece? What do I like? What do I don't like? Yeah. When I listen to jazz, I know I'm not going to play it. Or I'm just listening to enjoy it and, and, and love it. And so to, to have that experience with music uh, is sometimes refreshing because a lot of times most of the listening I do either to myself or to my students or to whatever's happening is always like from a controlling standpoint of, what would I change? How can I make this better? How can I fix this? How can I change this? Always like working on it. And sometimes you forget to just sit back and listen to it and enjoy it and just let the, let the music be. Uh, so that's in jazz is a little, is a step removed from a classical world that, that's easier to do that. From. Never thought of that, but I, I absolutely understand what you're talking about when yeah i I do the same thing when i'm listening to to music but i'll I'll listen to jazz in a new way now 
Yeah, just because you don't have to. I'm not going to try to do that or play it or just enjoying it. For, for yeah. What it sounds. Like. Yeah. Um, one one more thing I wanted to talk about because I think I think our audiences would be really really interested. Um, could you talk about your your synesthesia project and and you know what is what is this for for those that don't know? Sure, synesthesia is a. Um, it's basically just a, a union of the senses. So uh, just like anesthesia is without sensation. So anesthesiologists put you to sleep so you don't feel anything. Synesthesia is with sensation. So in my particular case, when I hear pitches, I see colors. So for me with, um, yeah, I mean, I've got perfect pitch, but so when I see, uh, when I hear D, I see yellow. When I see E, or I, I see green. When F is gray, G is red. You know, I've got a color for all the 12 different uh, pitches that are there. Um, and I w- was given a grant by the Scottsdale Center to try and realize a, you know, what, what I sort of see in my mind's eye when I hear these uh, sounds. And so I sort of drew some slides that, that moved in what, what the old times in Flash and uh, Macromedia Flash and uh, Photoshop, I created some slides that moved between. It probably wasn't that that interesting, but what I would love to do at at some point is get some kind of a lighting coordinator to put real light, uh, like in a hole, because it's it's a very peripheral experience. And the way I did it was like brought too much attention to the colors. It was like that was the the forefront of of what was happening, and it's more of a peripheral experience. So, if 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 I could have like colors in the hole, but that are like in the background, but not like the focus of, of what's happening. And I think that would be more of the experience that I have with experiencing colors with the music that I play. That's my experience with synesthesia. And hopefully we can maybe do some projects at some point uh, in the future where we might be able to replicate that experience. Yeah. That's interesting that you say it's, it's on the periphery. Cause I've also, whenever I've heard about it, I've imagined just like being like, right there in the middle, but of course it's, it's, it's not that way. Yeah, it's not there, but it's like in the, it's like on the side, I mean, I can sense it in certain music, especially in the hole, you close the eyes, you, you can feel it. Certain notes have stronger colors, uh, depending on what, what's, what's coming in. And sometimes it's overwhelming. So you could switch it off too. I mean, if I'm busy practicing and worrying about what notes are going, I'm not thinking about what color am I seeing. Yeah. Um, but listening to it is is a more interesting way of experiencing it when I'm not worried about what notes I'm going to play. Yeah. Do you know the um, Synesthesia Suite by the composer Andy Akio? I've heard of it, but I, I should I should check it out. Uh, yeah. It's very, very cool music. I got the CD by accident, actually. And I ordered okay. another CD and it came with it. Um, really? There's a lot of steel pan. It's, it's very, very, very cool. Great music. Okay. Yeah, you have to send me the name of that. I would, I would love to check it mm-hmm. out. There's a lot of interest in synesthesia now. There's yeah. lots of different types of it. People have taste shapes, and there's a lot of neurological science being uh, investigated with the different kinds of ways the brain works and um, who has it and why. And uh, So anyway, it's an interesting thing to explore. Yeah. yeah. Um, is there anything else you want to you mention to our audience before we close out today? I I don't think so. Just it's great to be playing real concerts again. I hope they can come out to the concert. It's still just a you can never replicate certainly online what you can get in a real 
concert situation. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think the audiences here are basically safe and vaccinated and, and it should be a safe place to come. So please come out to the concert if you can. And uh, I look forward to, to playing. Yeah. Yeah. Again, the concert is November 6th at the Lincoln Center in Fort Collins. Um, two days before on Thursday night, November 4th at seven o'clock, we do have our open rehearsal. Um, so that's free and open to the Republic. Um, and you'll get to see um, Brian and, and the orchestra rehearse for the first half of rehearsal. Um, so that's also a free, great free opportunity to come see the music and um, get to see how the orchestra rehearses. Great. All righty. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Chairman. Yeah. Thank you so much, Brian. We'll great. see you in a couple of days. Looking forward. Thank you.